This is the Daily Perspective Podcast for Tuesday, December 1st, 2020. Mark Congleton here, your sometimes humble host for this uh, about 52 minutes of observation, insight, and absurdity for a Tuesday. And I hope you and yours are doing well, that the last 24 hours has treated you kindly, and that everything for you is hunky and dory at the same time. Wowzer. Okay, that's ready. (laughs) I don't know why it is, but for some reason, a lot of mornings, something happens right before the the intro music starts and i have to i it's it's usually something i forgot and i have to deal with it and today it was it was my goofy it was my ipad yeah man i'll tell you what that dang old internet man you just go on there and point and click 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 it's real easy man yeah that's where all those sounds come from the the uh <laughs> that i uh, i uh, i got i got sidetracked and and didn't get everything hooked up so i had to i'm while the music is playing i'm over here <laughs> hooking everything up so that you can hear in case I have to play anything off of that. But other than that, everything is abby normal as usual. It's <laughs> it's a Tuesday edition of the podcast. I've uh, I've uh, spent the the last day, wow, in uh, nerdland working on computers and such and uh, the the Hackintosh is back up and running again. In fact, I'm pointing to it and you can't see me point. But right now it's running uh it's running video link software. It's running, it's, you know, it's, it, it is what I'm going to be using in the near future to do the connection for live streaming. And that's, I'm working on that. I almost used it this morning because, uh, I, I wanted to be able to, uh, to use the, uh, the, the switcher program that I have set up on it and, and, uh, to add some new stuff, but I did a test connection to YouTube before we got started, and um, it doesn't have as good a connection. When you, okay, if you don't live stream, if you've never live streamed, you don't know this, and, and that is that when you connect to YouTube, you get a little colored dot that tells you the quality of your connection. And when I connect from the computer I've been using, which is another hack. It's another Hackintosh. It's a little, it's a little Lenovo Think Center, a little tiny 93. It's a, it's itty bitty. It's the size of a couple of books stacked up, a little bitty thing. And, um, it, when it hooks up, I get an excellent, an excellent, an excellent connection. When I hook up with the other one, it's, um, it gives me a good connection instead of the dot being green, it's blue. And every now and then it buffers. And eh, this does not make me a happy camper. So I have to sort that out and figure out why that is. Um, I have to look and see where the network connection is, what it is, what, you know, this, that, and the other. I have to, I got to go. That's, that's what I'll be debugging later today. Other items on the list for today don't include nerd stuff, but it does include physical labor. And I'm, you know, I'm really thrilled about that. Anyway, today's going to be a relatively full day. For me here around my place, because I have, uh, I have a honeydew list, which has been given to me by the Mrs. And so certain things which have to do with Christmas decorations must be done. Now, generally speaking, what I do around here is I get the front of the house decorated and I get the Christmas tree, uh, in position 
and then she has her way with it and decorates it, which is fine by me. That's cool. And uh, it, we usually do that like the day after Thanksgiving. But so far, we, we've been a couple of schlubs, and we just haven't we haven't done the Christmas tree yet. We've got the front of the house is lit up, but the, the Christmas tree is not ready yet. So that'll be me today. Ho, ho, ho. It is, um, it's a Tuesday. It's cold here. It, uh, as I speak, it, uh, it's 27 degrees here in the lovely Southlands of, uh, of, uh, just outside of Birmingham, Alabama. And uh, for us, that is cold. We every now and then we'll get into the teens, but it may be one day out of the year. We'll get into the teens and on very rare occasion, we may get below 10 here. Yeah, it happens. It does happen. And, um, as is usual, people go insane when stuff like this happens. We had snow flurries yesterday afternoon. There were some areas around here that had snow showers just, uh, and, and I've seen the video and I gotta admit to you, the kid in me was jealous because I, I saw the video of people, uh, uh that people posted online of snow showers in their area. And there's one place it's uh, about half an hour, 45 minutes away from here that uh to the east towards atlanta that uh last night they got some serious snow showers the some folks there woke up this morning to an inch or so of snow on their cars and and on the grass but it hasn't been cold enough for anything to get crazy here and that's that's the that's the redeeming part of the whole thing is that it never really gets that cold here so we're not crippled by snow usually every now and then we will have a huge dump and that amount of cold air and cold precipitation chills overpasses and things down and everything just locks up but uh, that doesn't happen very often i do remember many years back when our son joe was a kid we had a uh, we had a day where the temp the high temperature was five and for here that's really really cold really actually that's really cold for anywhere but my brother lives in fairbanks alaska and he'll say i'd be in shorts and a t-shirt and he would be I've seen him in 30 degree weather in jeans and a t-shirt and barefooted walking around outside because he's used to Fairbanks freaking Alaska where it gets to 40, 45 below in the winter time. And no, thanks. Anyway, we've survived our first onslaught with winter weather here. And I'm sure that, uh, we'll be just hunky dory for the rest of the winter, unless something really bizarre happens. And I don't see that happening. Hopefully that is hopefully. <sighs> wow. So I've spent seven minutes of the top of the podcast talking literally about nothing important. And, uh, I guess that's, that's okay. Um, tip of the hat to Joel. Good to hear from you yesterday. For me, it was last night for him. It was late in the afternoon or mid to late afternoon because Joel lives in Hawaii and, uh, he's an old buddy and he, he, uh, he listens to the podcast and, uh, it was, it was a pleasure spending a little time with you, my friend on the telephone, something we need to do more often. And hopefully in the future, hopefully we can do that face to face. That would be great as well. Haven't seen Joel in a long time. And, uh, I think when was the last time, probably California, one of those trips to California and believe it or not, that was about a decade ago. So that we need to do that, but good to hear from you. And, um, what else is there before I move forward? Not much, not much at all. Um, a bunch of stories to touch on today, and uh, I don't know how much I'll actually get to. As usual, I have a 
I have a list that is longer. It's kind of like kind of like going to eat and you order more than you can eat. Your eyes are bigger than your stomach. That kind of happens to me as I'm preparing the, the topics for the day. Is uh, some days I just I, I, I struggle and but most days I think I'm going to struggle and then it explodes and there's a lot of stuff to talk about. So deciding which direction to go some days is a little tough when you've got a lot to talk about. Um, so let's, uh, let's start off here and we'll see if we can work our way through. Um, let's see, we'll try to work our way from where we start here and then go through Georgia. And then, uh, we need to look at Arizona and, uh, some other stuff along the way and who knows what'll pop up in the midst of things. Okay. First up from Patriot post dot us an article titled trump says he'll leave if dot 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 <laughs> it's a it's an article by douglas andrews over at patriot uh, patriot post dot us the president acknowledged the authority of the electoral college while vowing to de- to continue his legal fight against voter fraud anyone who thinks president donald trump has accepted the inevitability of a joe biden inauguration on tra- january 20 doesn't know donald trump on thanksgiving after a teleconference with our troops during which he extended his profound thanks to representatives from the army navy marine corps air force space force and coast guard the commander-in-chief was asked by a reporter if he would leave the white house after an unsuccessful electoral college vote he replied certainly i will you know that i will but he goes on to say it's going to be a very hard thing to concede that's understandable after all a concession would require some sort of acknowledgement on his part that an utterly uninspiring 78-year-old Joe Biden is the duly elected president of the United States. That a guy who rarely took questions from reporters, rarely ventured out of his basement during the months leading up to the election, and rarely drew more than a dozen friends and family members to his occasional campaign events somehow got 11 million more Americans to vote for him than did energetic young Barack Obama during his one-of-a-kind 2008 campaign. That a guy who, as the Federalist's J.B. Shirk points out, lost 18 of 19 bellwether counties all around the country, still managed to somehow win the White House, despite the fact that each of those bellwether counties has a near-perfect presidential voting record since 1980. That a guy whose party actually lost congressional seats, and not just a few, but a whole bunch, in addition to losing 27 of 27 toss-up races highlighted by the Cook Political Report, somehow defied history and found enough votes within Democrat-controlled big cities in Democrat-controlled states to win the presidency that a guy on the wrong end of a yawning enthusiasm gap a guy whose incumbent opponent doubled the number of primary votes ever received by a sitting president and won 90 for 94 percent of his party's primary vote during a time of pandemic and peace and economic prosperity still found a pathway to victory when all historical trends pointed toward defeat President Trump made clear again Thursday that he still considers the apparent election of Joe Biden to be a massive fraud. As he also noted with regard to the series of legal challenges currently ongoing in multiple states, quote, a lot of things are happening between now and January 20th. 
The president's remarks then had something in them for everyone. For nervous Democrats, a tacit acknowledgement that he'll leave the White House if the Electoral College goes to his opponent. And for disbelieving Trump's supporters, a clear willingness to keep fighting and to lay out a strong case that fraud, and not the American people, elected Joe Biden. A week ago, a week ago, President Trump directed the federal government's General Services Administration to begin working with the Biden team on the peaceful and traditional transition of presidential power. That's as it should be. But that directive doesn't preclude the president and his legal team from aggressively pursuing his legal options on behalf of the 73 million Americans who voted for him. President Trump said, no one wants to see the kind of fraud this election has come to represent. I know one thing. Joe Biden didn't get 80 million votes. And that closing statement is at the heart and soul of everything we're going through right now. It is fairly evident to the honest person. And I have to, I have to clarify it. I have to qualify it that way to the honest person that Joe Biden did not win this election. The honest person acknowledges that everything that I've talked about in this particular story, everything mentioned here goes against the grain of him winning. Everything here, everything points the opposite direction. Everything. Because Joe Biden couldn't muster a crowd if he was giving away free cars. He couldn't attract a crowd if he was paying each of them to attend. He hid in his basement and talked uh, via Skype and, and Zoom for months. He took questions from the press, which we have proof were scripted that his answers were on a teleprompter. We have the video. You can see the reflection of the teleprompter in one of his shots. So he had scripted answers to questions that the press had been approved to ask. He's not up to the challenges of the presidency, and most people recognize that. And most people realize there was a great deal of fraud going on. The Daily Perspective Podcast. First day of December. It puts Christmas just over three weeks away. So have you done your holiday shopping yet? You know, usually by now, I have. A couple of items, yeah, I've got them, I've got them squared away. Those are done. One or two other things I need to uh, I need to get happening here. Maybe I can get that done today, and not even leave the house to do it. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh man! Back to election stuff. Coming from uh, the EpochTimes.com. By the way, the Epoch Times is uh, proven to be a tremendous source for correct information they they will not print anything or publish anything that they don't have good sourcing on 
They're very thorough. They're actually doing journalism, real journalism, unlike what's been happening with the places we used to consider journalistic outlets. The Epoch Times is actually really doing journalism. And their backstory is very interesting. A bunch of guys who who at one time were under the thumb of the communist Chinese who recognized the principles and the value of American, of the American culture and are now here doing that kind of job there. And it's, it's an interesting story. You should go look into it and they are reporting the truth. They've seen firsthand what is happening here. They've seen it come to pass in other places. And, uh, they have that level of experience when they report what they see happening here. And from the Epoch Times, a um, hang on here, let me credit this as credit is due by Zachary Stieber, um, an article called Judge Schedules Hearing in High Profile Georgia Election Case. The judge who ordered the Georgia officials on the 29th not to wipe or reset voting machines is scheduled the next hearing in the case for December 4th. That would be this Friday. U.S. District Judge Timothy Batten Sr., George W. Bush appointee, issued three emergency orders on November 29th, initially ordering officials to hold off on taking action regarding the machines before reversing his order and then reestablishing the first order. In a November 30th order, Batten said his final decision on November 29th, uh, partially granting the defendant's motion, involves a controlling question of laws, as to which there is substantial ground for difference of opinion, and that an immediate appeal from the order may materially advance the ultimate termination of the litigation. That's what he said. The order enables defendants to appeal the temporary ruling to the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals. Defendants were ordered to file their brief by December 2nd, while any reply brief will be due December 3rd. In a third filing, defendants said Charlene McGowan, Georgia's Assistant Attorney General, will be appearing on behalf of the defendants, which include Governor Brian Kemp, Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, and state election board members. A spokeswoman for the Office of Attorney General, Chris Carr, told the Epoch Times via email that the office is unable to comment on legal proceedings outside of court filings. That, of course, does make sense. The plaintiffs, who were represented by attorney Sidney Powell, successfully convinced Batten on November 29th to bar officials in three counties from wiping or resetting Dominion Voting Systems machines. By the way, there was one of those, one county that they weren't successful in. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Plaintiffs are seeking to have outside experts perform forensic inspections of the voting machines. The judge ruled that defendants are enjoined and restrained from altering, destroying, or erasing, or allowing the alteration, destruction, or erasure of any software or data on any Dominion voting machine in Cobb, Gwinnett, and Cherokee counties. He also ordered the board to promptly produce to plaintiffs a copy of the contract between the state and Dominion. Dominion says on its website that no credible reports or evidence of any software issues exist, including in Georgia. Powell wrote on uh, Twitter late November 29th that Georgia election fraud is being exposed. Who benefited from the hurry-up Dominion contract in Georgia, she wrote. (laughs) Good question. No credible reports or evidence of any software issues exist. No credible. Well, credible is actually an item of opinion. And in the opinion of Dominion voting systems, no attack on what they do is going to be credible. They're going to defend what they have to say. 
they're going to defend that. They're going to say, well, none of this is credible. Just like the uh, the Democrats in our United States government will tell you that claims of vote fraud are not credible. They will claim that contradictions to lying Adam Schiff's claims, which have been proven to be lies again and again, those challenges are not credible. They will say that anyone who defends a Republican is not credible. So Dominion Software, of course, is going to say there are no credible claims against them. But we have testimony from people. We have the user manual. We have so much that contradicts their claims. Now, yesterday, attorney Sidney Powell said that someone had removed a Dominion voting system server from a recount center in Fulton County, Georgia. Quote, someone went down to the Fulton Center where the votes and Dominion machines were, claimed there was a software glitch, and they had to replace the software, and it seems they removed the server. This is what she told Lou Dobbs tonight, last night. She added that her team does not know where that server is. Dominion's software and hardware features prominently in two lawsuits filed by Powell in Georgia and Michigan. The lawsuits claim that the software is vulnerable to manipulation by hackers, and it was used to alter vote totals in the presidential election. Powell prefaced her comment by saying that the alleged removal of the server took place when her team was seeking a temporary restraining order against the resetting, wiping, or altering of any of the Dominion machines. A district court judge subsequently granted that temporary restraining order on Sunday night. We just discussed that. Powell said her team is making significant progress in both cases while preparing to file suits in other cases. She said the lawsuits are meant to stop the runoff elections in Georgia in January, quote, because all the machines are infected with the software code that allows Dominion to shave votes from one candidate and give them to another and other features that do the same thing. Different states shaved different amounts of votes. The system was set up to shave and flip different votes in different states. Some people were targeted as individual candidates. It's really the most massive and historic or historical egregious fraud the world has ever seen, says Powell. Dominion has vehemently denied these and other allegations. A Dominion voting system server crashed on November 29th during the second recount in Georgia. That's according to a spokesman for Fulton County. He told the Epoch Times via email, a newly purchased Dominion mobile server crashed. Technicians from Dominion have been dispatched to resolve the issue. The office of the Georgia Secretary of State, Brad uh, Raffensperger, a Republican, was told of the issue and is aware of attempts to fix the problem, according to the spokesperson. Dominion and Raffensperger's offices didn't uh, immediately re respond to emailed requests for comment. The judge presiding over the Powell case in Georgia has scheduled a hearing concerning the temporary restraining order for December 4th, as we've already discussed. According to an affidavit from a GOP poll worker that was filed alongside the request for a restraining order, an election official wrote in a message on November 25th that some ballot counting machines were to be reset on November 30th so they could be used in the machine recount requested by the Trump campaign, given the tight margin with former President or Vice President Joe Biden. Upon seeing the message, the poll worker said they notified their supervisor because they were concerned about wiping of the machines. Quote, 
I am seeing lots of notices from lawyers about possibly impounding the machines. This is what the poll worker wrote, according to the affidavit. Lawyers are now saying that the machines should be confiscated immediately before this happens to protect forensic data. They are saying those machines need to be impounded ASAP. Yikes. Maybe I'm being overly paranoid, but let's be sure this is what we're supposed to be doing. The supervisor, the supervisor responded, quote, It's what we are supposed to do. It will take a court order to stop this process, so I guess we need to keep watching the news. If we get a court order to stop, we will see it in our SOS information. When the poll worker asked if the reset will wipe the forensic info from the machines, the manager said that all that Atlanta already did it. As we discussed before the machine recount happened, we knew that in order to do the machine recount, they would have to reset the machines. We knew that the original data would be wiped clean. We knew that this was part of the recount process. And we knew, we knew that this was all part of the leftist plan to steal the election. These people are not taking this seriously. They're going through the motions, just getting done what they have to get done. It's kind of typical for people involved in government, don't you think? It's the Daily Perspective for Tuesday, the first day of December 2020. Good to have you along. Let me encourage you to uh, head over to Facebook and dig up the Daily Perspective podcast Facebook page and read the post that's pinned to the top, okay? It's a reminder of why we are where we are today. It puts everything in perspective. We need to recall that the reason we are where we are today, the reason we're fighting for this election and the future of the United States of America, is because a few years back, a man stood before a crowd and declared, Change will not come if we wait for some other person or if we wait for some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. We are the ones we've been waiting for. We are the the soldiers who will win the battle to do something to the United States of America. And what was that? We are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. And what was that fundamental transformation? That fundamental transformation was a transformation from a, a constitutional republic. A constitutional republic with a free market system into a socialist system, which was kinder, gentler, and more fair to everyone. Ignoring the history of socialism. Go read the post. I've, I've gone through it here in the past. I won't go through it again. I just wanted to take a moment to remind you why we're here. We're here because there has been a long-standing effort to undermine 
the government of this country to undermine the found the founding values of this country to undermine our so, our society and to make fundamental changes to fundamentally transform this once great nation this glowing city on a hill into the same failing structure we find around the world under socialism. And that is why we are here today looking at stories about an election which has obviously, to honest people, obviously suffered the greatest fraud in the history of any election in the world. Going back over to the news, over at Newsmax.com, there's an article um, let me see if I can find who wrote this. Well, I don't see anything on it about who wrote it. Let's just dive in. Election authorities staying in Georgia, by the way, election authorities in Georgia have opened investigations into progressive groups trying to sign up new voters in advance of two January elections that will determine control of the U.S. Senate. This is according to Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger yesterday. Raffensperger said his office was examining registration efforts by America Votes, Vote Forward, and the New Georgia Project. He said some groups had been encouraging people who lived outside Georgia to register to vote in the state. He says these third-party groups have a responsibility to not encourage illegal voting. If they do so, they will be held responsible. The state is in is the site of a pair of January 5th runoffs for U.S. Senate seats that will determine which party controls the upper chamber of Congress for the next two years, and with it the ability to advance or block Democratic President-elect Joe Biden's legislative agenda. Raffensperger said his office also had several investigations open into accusations of wrongdoing in the U.S. presidential election. Outgoing Republican presidential uh, President Donald Trump... <laughs> has uh, repeatedly and without evidence, golly, where did you guys get? Oh, this is from Newsmax. Okay. Um, the, they must have pulled this some of this stuff from other sources because when you refer to him as outgoing and uh, without evidence, as I've told you before, the evidence is there. It's being presented in the appropriate settings and will be presented in the court hearings. And that ha that's been happening. It's not presented. The evidence is not presented to members of the press. Well, he's claimed his loss to Joe Biden uh, in the November 3rd election was the result of widespread fraud. All those state and federal election officials, who, by the way, we are, are, are very confident are corrupt, have said there's been no evidence of it. Much of Trump's anger has been trained on fellow Republican Raffensperger and Georgia Governor Brian Kemp after Biden narrowly won the state. And... Let me just break from there, and you can read the rest of the story if you want to. The reason for the for the anger, and and he they they use the word anger, and I don't I don't agree that it's anger. I I believe it's just stating the facts. Much of the reason for that is because they're just doing what politicians tend to do, which is to follow the path of least resistance instead of doing the hard work of doing the job right. We see that a lot in the world of politics. We see these people take the path of least resistance to do things as they've always been done. Well, that's the way we've always done things. Well, guess what? There are those who are looking for, for pathways to, to turn things completely over in this country 
and to set us set it on a different path they're working inside those ways you've always done things to make them work to their advantage so you have to take a few steps back away and look at the bigger picture and realize what's going on you have to realize what's happening is illegal you have to realize that what's happening is fraud because what they've done is they have twisted our system to their advantage and you're just not interested in working hard enough to turn it over. You're more concerned with this superficial preservation of the integrity of offices and the election and the process and the image that all of that creates. You're not interested in the truth. You're interested in the comfort zone. And your comfort zone will vanish into thin air if you don't get out of it and do some real work. And that's the problem we're seeing in these states. Georgia's one of the states. Arizona's another. Go read some stories about what's happening in Arizona. Remember, that is the domain of John McCain. And apparently there are people like John McCain in the state government of Arizona. And those people are working against the president of the United States at this point in time. Now let's go to Michigan from the Epoch Times. Let me see who I want to give them credit where it's due. Christina Kim of the uh, Epoch Times writes the complaint against Michigan's Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson and Governor Gretchen Whitmer marks the beginning of Sidney Powell's lawsuit against the state. Some of the allegations are repeated claims from Michigan and other, other states. Republican challengers were unable to meaningfully observe, and workers were instructed to backdate ballots. Other claims are newer. Expert witness Russell James Ramsland Jr. works with the Allied Security Operations Group. In the past, he's worked with NASA and MIT. Ramsland said there were four physically impossible spikes totaling almost three 185,000 ballots allegedly processed in a combined interval of two hours and 38 minutes. He concluded that Dominion alone is responsible for the injection or fabrication of 290,000 illegal votes in Michigan. That must be disregarded. This is nearly twice the number of ballots by which Biden is leading Trump, which is approximately 150,000 votes. Dr. Navid uh, Oh, I went through this yesterday. This guy's name is a mile long. Dr. Navid Kashavarznia. Kashavarznia. He has a PhD in engineering and technology and received advanced training from the CIA, NSA, and DHS. In his sworn statement, he says he believes that USB memory cards were used to facilitate, facilitate uh, administrative backdoor access to disrupt polling operations and impact ballot, uh, ballot counting across Michigan, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Arizona, and Wisconsin. He also said after a detailed analysis of the New York Times data, in his expert judgment, the vote count distribution in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, Arizona, Nevada, and Georgia are not based on normal system operation. Instead, they're caused by fraudulent electronic manipulation of the targeted voting, voting machines. Another affidavit? was submitted by someone whose name and personal information was redacted. This person 
was an electronic intelligence analyst with extensive experience as a white hat hacker used by some of the top election specialists in the world. In other words, he's a guy who is a hacker, knows how code works, can break into any kind of a system, but he's a good guy who investigates things and demonstrates how things are done so that the crimes can be investigated properly. He's an expert. And he alleged that a search of Edison research showed they had an Iranian server. And there are records showing China accessing Dominion voting servers. Edison research reports the vote count tabulation to Decision Desk HQ for election results. They're the people who hand, who hand that off so that the news sites all report from there. That's the depository of all of that information. The complaint asks the court to provide emergency relief to decertify Wayne County's results, stop Benson and Whitmer from transmitting the state's certifications to the Electoral College, and to transmit certified election results that President Donald Trump is the winner of the election in Michigan, among other requests. Michigan's Senate committee is set to meet today, December 1st, to hear testimony about absentee ballot counting at Detroit's TCF Center. Now, if you've been paying attention, you've been following along, you you know that there has been a remarkable amount of reported fraudulent activity going on in Michigan at the TCF Center in Detroit. People being blocked from viewing the process. People who were supposed to be there watching, observing, and challenging when they thought things needed to be challenged were not allowed close enough to do their jobs. They were harassed. There were some pretty nasty things going on. We've seen all of the reports. We've heard all the stories. Well, now, Michigan Senate Committee today will be hearing this testimony. Will it make a difference? It won't make a difference to the progressive leftist Democrat leaders of the state, the people who are in office, who are ignoring their state constitutions and in some cases actually breaking state law by changing the way the voting process is handled in their state without going through the proper channels. It won't matter to them, but to those of us who seek truth and want to know what's really going on, it'll make a difference to us. It's the Daily Perspective. Welcome back. Sliding into the final segment for this Tuesday, the first day of December 2020. Scanning social media during the break, trying to find things. If there's anything new, not much. Mostly just the usual dribble. Wow. Oh, man. The things that people get upset about really, really make me, make me wonder, you know, and the things that people pass around on social media, especially Facebook. Facebook is like the land of the Karens. It's just, it's, I'm sorry, but I just, it just came out. I actually said what I was thinking. I, it's just, it's, it's like, wow. Um, 
the, this you're saying stuff on social media in front of all these people. You're you've got all these people, and you're actually sharing this stuff on social media with lots of people that really would be awkward sharing with two friends over lunch. Have you stopped to think about the fact that you're actually broadcasting this to a bunch of different people and that you should probably just, just keep it to yourself and share it with a trusted soul, a trusted advisor instead of uh, airing dirty laundry or iffy laundry with a lot of people. It just blows my mind that some people just don't have the proper filters. And I think that says a lot about our society today. They just don't have the right filters. And some of those people will confront you in a public place. If they don't like the way you're wearing your mask, it's just really crazy. Really, really crazy. It makes me question the sanity of our society. It really does. Back to the other stories. Now that I've been distracted. Coming uh, again from the Epoch Times, the Department of Homeland Security has war- was warned by experts that voting machines were vulnerable to hackers and manipulation. This is what a cybersecurity specialist said yesterday. Retired Colonel Phil Waldron told a public hearing on election issues in Arizona that his team brought the information to DHS workers, including employees in the department's cybersecurity office known as CISA, C-I-S-A. Quote, when I started working on this project in August, I called them up and said, you guys have to come out and look at it. They did. They spent an initial three hours going through this data. At the end of that, one of them said, I think I need to go outside and throw up. So says Waldron, who informed the hearing of issues his team uncovered with Dominion Voting Systems machines. DHS employees followed up multiple times traveling to Dallas to obtain over 600 gigabytes of data from another team working with Waldron. Waldron's team gave them another another over 200 gigabytes, and they analyzed that. Waldron said, after they analyzed, there was a scan, a passive scan done. They conducted a limited scan and determined that there were vulnerabilities. They held numerous meetings asked why nothing seemed to be done before the election to fix the vulnerabilities, Waldron said he believed it was either incompetence or a lack of commitment to doing something at the senior leader level. Quote, members of the elections division of CISA, I was told, would never attend the meetings or the briefings that were conducted internal to the DHS on the material that we had presented. CISA didn't respond to a request for comment. CISA, a little over a week after the election, called it the most secure in American history, alleging, quote, there is no evidence that any voting system deleted or lost votes, changed votes, or was in any way compromised. The statement was issued jointly by the Election Infrastructure Government Coordinating Council, which CISA is part of, and the Election Infrastructure Sector Coordinating Council. Dominion is a member of the Election Infrastructure Sector Coordinating Council, which CISA did not disclose in its statement. Days later, President Donald Trump fired Christopher Krebs. He was the director of CISA. Trump said the statement was highly inaccurate 
in that there were massive improprieties and fraud. Krebs responded by saying he did not claim there wasn't fraud in the election. He later told CBS's 60 Minutes that there was no manipulation of the vote on the machine count side. Krebs said there was a command center where members of the FBI, the National Security Agency, and other agencies, along with representatives from some of the election system companies, gathered to monitor the election. He said it was quiet and there were no indication, was no indication or evidence that there was any sort of hacking or compromise of election systems on or before or after November 3rd. Trump took to Twitter to say 60 Minutes never reached out to the White House for comment, called its story one-sided. He wrote, in our, uh, our 2020 election, from poorly rated Dominion to a county flooded with unaccounted for mail-in ballots was probably the least secure ever. So here we see government officials, people who should be interested, who should be committed to the integrity of the nation's election didn't do anything to fix the election vulnerabilities before the election occurred. And this expert witness says he believed it was either incompetence or a lack of commitment to doing something at the senior leader level. A lack of, in, a lack of commitment to doing something. It's like I said a while ago. It's preserving the status quo, putting forth the image that everything is just rosy, that everything is fine. And that's what matters. And that is one of the big problems America faces, is that we have politicians running a nation who aren't fit to run a hot dog stand. They don't understand or they don't want to understand how serious the situation is. And some of them, some of them, some of them want things to turn out in the Democrats' favor. They want Joe Biden to be the next president of the United States because the guy who's in the Oval Office now has upset their apple cart. He's revealing the corruption. He's actually doing what he promised to do. Go back and read Donald Trump's inauguration speech. I read it for you here a few weeks ago. Go dig it up today and read what he said on Inauguration Day 2017. Read what he said he was going to do. He's been doing it. And because of that commitment to doing what he promised to do, he is hated by the insiders in Washington, D.C. He's promised to overturn their apple cart. He's promised to destroy business as usual in D.C. He's promised to stop the victimization of our nation by others, sucking money away from us and contributing nothing to international causes. He's promised to dig into the corruption in D.C. and to do away with as much as he can. He made those promises, and he's been fulfilling those promises. And in the process, making a lot of enemies. 
on both sides of the political aisle. Some of them are obvious. The rabid people who keep telling the same rabid lies. Like Adam Schiff and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. And many, 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 many thousands more are working in offices all over Washington, D.C. as part of the bureaucracy. A lot of them have jobs just because politicians decided there needed to be offices of this or that or departments of this or that, which are really not necessary for a constitutional republic. But they are necessary for a government which is centralized and one day will flip the switch and be the only government of an entire nation as opposed to the state governments. And that is what's been going on in the background behind closed doors. And no, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm just a guy who keeps his eyes open and watches what's happening, who sees the patterns and recognizes them, who looks for the truth and recognizes the lies when he sees them because I know what the truth looks like. And because of that, I know we're being lied to a lot. And then when these people go on to the talking head news shows on the news networks, they're not there to tell you the truth. They're there to further reinforce the narrative and to keep telling people everything's okay. Nothing to look at here. Everything is just fine. And this guy in the White House right now is crazy. His behavior is unbecoming a president. Hmm. Let me translate what that means for you. It means he's shaking the tree. And the corruption is beginning to fall out of it. And they realize their days are numbered if he stays in office and that their plans are in danger and that life is not going to be right for them unless they can get rid of it. And that's all for today. God bless you. Have a good one. Let's get back together tomorrow for the Wednesday edition of the Daily Perspective Podcast. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Oh, we're, uh, we're done.